0: In 1868, the United States Military Commander-in-Chief, Major General John A. Logan, declared a time to remember. To remember those who gave their lives so that we might live in freedom. To remember those who served our country so that we might remain strong. Let no neglect No ravages of time testify to the present or to the coming generations that we have forgotten as a people, the cost of a free nation. During World War I, poet Robert Binion said of the fallen soldiers, They shall grow not old as we that are left grow old. We will remember them. Today, we remember all those who used their lives to give us the freedoms we enjoy today. The freedom to live. The freedom to express opinion. The freedom to worship. We also remember our loved ones. They too used their lives to share with us the freedom of salvation in Jesus Christ. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Those that have gone before us have left a powerful testimony. Let us do the same for those that come behind us.
1: This morning, I'd like for us to honor some of those who have gone before us. So what I'm going to ask you to do this morning is if you're here and uh, you have a loved one, uh, whether it was a friend or family member uh, who died uh, serving our country, who died protecting our freedom, who died in one of the conflicts that you just saw up there, I'm going to ask if you would stand in honor of that person for a moment and stay standing. Would you do that if you lost someone in the wars. Thank you so much for standing. I'm going to ask you to remain standing for a moment. And I'd like to pray for you. I'd like to pray for our country. So would you join me this morning on this Memorial Day as we pray uh, for those who are standing right now and the families they represent. Father God, I thank you for those who are standing right now in honor of uh, one who died protecting our freedom. And God, I thank you for these families, the ones that they represent and God, I pray your blessing on them, whether it was years ago um, or whether it was in, in the previous weeks and months. God, I pray for your peace, a peace that passes all understanding to be with them and to guide them. And God, as we're about to talk about, I pray that you would give them not the spirit of, of fear, uh, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And, God, I pray for those who are currently serving in our armed forces, uh, some near and some far. God, I pray for your protection, and I pray for your blessing. And, God, we thank you that we have a day out of each year where we stop and remember those who died serving our country. And, God, I pray that as we uh, go about our activities over the next uh, couple days that it would not just be a day that marks the start of summer, but that we would remember those who served so faithfully and died for our freedom. And God, this morning we not only remember them, but we remember your Son who also died for our freedom, our spiritual freedom. And we thank you so much for sending Jesus, your Son, to die on the cross for our sins so that we could have eternity with you in heaven one day. We give the next few moments to you. May you be glorified by all that's said And all that's done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You can be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, My name's Todd Cullen. I'm the lead pastor. I'm glad that you're here. Thank you for sailing, boating, swimming to church today. I'm glad that you're here today. And uh, I guess we're continuing snow, uh, not snow jam, good grief. Tropical Storm Jam 2016 as Bonnie, uh, you know, was going to miss us and Bonnie did not miss us. So uh, glad that you're here today on this Memorial Day. And for those of you who are vacationing, I'm so sorry. I really am, okay? Uh, Hopefully there's better weather coming, okay? And there's a lot of fun stuff to do uh, regardless of the weather. Uh, We are uh, continuing, actually, to bring to conclusion our series, Do Something. And I've loved uh, some of the response that I've heard from this series. We began uh, several weeks ago by uh, talking about the fact that those of you who are here and you're in a generation where you have uh, an influence on a younger generation— which is most everyone in this room, uh, that we have a responsibility uh, to do something to spiritually impact those of you who are Christ followers to spiritually impact that next generation. And we have a lot of opportunity here at Hilton Head Island Community Church to do that. And I want to encourage you, continuing to encourage you to do that. We'd be kind of continued in week two. We talked about those of you who are at a point of an important decision can do something to impact not only your life, but uh, what God desires for your life and your mission and your uh, focus, and maybe your calling for your life. And we talked about five ways to determine uh, your calling in life, and uh, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that if uh, if uh, you missed that and ways to make important decisions and, uh, and that sort of thing. So we talked about it from that perspective, a micro perspective. And then last week, we talked about doing something in terms of our church and doing something in terms of making a difference here at Hilton Head Island Community Church uh, among each other, but also making a difference in our community and we can have an impact uh, on our community if we know who our our teammates are and we know who's in charge and that's God and we know who's uh, you know in control and that's him and uh, we talked about becoming a member and I've loved this series because uh, I've heard great response and uh, I've taken a little bit of a break from social media I haven't been on there as much but um, not for any particular reason but just take a break from it but I've heard that there's been a lot of talk about you all kind of without much prompting jumping on board and 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 doing things for each other and doing things for our community and i just want to say thank you and a lot of you have hashtag that with all in and do something and if if everything i just said sounded like greek uh, that's fine i get it okay that's fine but um i'm really excited that there's some momentum around this idea of being all in and and doing something for the body of christ uh we had several of you who turned in your membership uh forms and and you went through the process of becoming a member and i'm so thankful for that if, uh, if you haven't become a member and you've been apart for a while, that was the message of last week of, of it's time to make a difference. And so I want to encourage you to go back and listen to these messages. They're important in the life of this church, and they're important for you. And uh, I want to encourage you to get online, check out the all-in tab of our website so that you can be a part of doing something in your church. Now, today we come to a message that I- I'm going to just right out of the gates tell you that uh, you know some of you, it's, it may make you a little uncomfortable, just to be honest with you. And, and for a lot of different reasons, because when we talk about what we're going to talk about and, and the things that we're going to talk about in a room this size, there are going to be a lot of different thoughts and a lot of different opinions and a lot of different viewpoints. Uh, my goal today is to kind of cut through the viewpoints and to get to the bottom line of what God's word says about how you and I should respond to the culture that is our culture today. And, and so I'm just going to be frank and honest, and you know, if I, if I tick you off, I'm sorry. I guess not really, because I'm like really just saying it anyway, but if I tick you off, that's okay. Go to the God's Word, because I'm really just teaching what His Word says about how Christians should do something when we look at our culture and we see a growing gap between what God says that we should do in His Word and what culture is today. And we have to face the fact, we have to be honest about the fact that there is a growing gap between what God desires for humanity and what culture desires for humanity. And we're going to be talking about that today and our response to that uh, today as well. Uh, George Washington once said, uh, it is impossible to rightly govern a nation without God and the Bible. And if any of you uh, have any kind of background in terms of the, the, uh, you know, the formation of the United States of America, of this great country that we have the privilege of, of living in, you, you'll know that much of, of the documents, of the early founding documents of, of our country, much of that was based on what we call today a Judeo-Christian ethic, which means it was based on the Word of God, Old Testament, and New Testament. Uh, in fact, you see that in the very uh, you know, the declaration of independence. Uh, when, when I graduated, Cynthia and I met, which we're celebrating 21 years of being married uh, coming up this Friday. Isn't that awesome? So anyway. Happy anniversary, Cynthia, and I probably just embarrassed her, and she's mad at me. And this is all I'm doing for our anniversary. This is it, right here. I'm just kidding. I'm not that stupid. Uh, 21 years will teach you that, right, guys? Am I right? Okay. Uh, But when we graduated, met in college, and when we graduated college, um, she gave me a, a gift, and the gift was... Uh, two documents that were framed and it's uh, there are two documents that have been on my office wall and in our home um, all throughout like my, my adult life and and right now I'm kind of like, we're growing so much that we had to create space uh, for babies, and so right now I'm, I'm in my third office, and it only has two walls, so I don't have it up right now. Um, I think they're going to put me out at the picnic tables pretty soon, out back here. So uh, anyway, we're going to um, we we have this these two documents that she gave me because I was a poli sci major, and one is the Declaration of Independence, and the other is the Bill of Rights. And in our Declaration of Independence, in uh, for our country, when we declared our independence uh, from Britain. Uh, The second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence reads this way, and some of you probably have this memorized. I used to, but I'm 40-something, and I don't remember it anymore. So I'm going to read it. It says this, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we, many of us, learn that second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence at a very young age, and it may have stuck with us. And what some of you don't realize is that the, the principles that are contained just in that opening paragraph are principles that are directly from the Word of God. And, and so we have to face the fact that regardless, and I realize there's probably, you know, um, you know there's two major political parties there's probably in a room this size, Uh, you know, representative of both of those and different viewpoints on it and all that kind of stuff. But we have to recognize that the country that we live in was founded on principles that were based on God's word. That's the whole premise of today's message. And I don't think that any of you would probably disagree with that. And this next part is that, uh, that, Uh, It was based on God's word, and as time has gone on, especially over the last five decades, four or five decades, that our country has really kind of like polarized in terms of of living according to those same principles. And, And so we see this gap growing, we see this chasm growing between what God's word says on how humanity should live and what our society and what culture desires for humanity to live. There's this growing chasm and this kind of slip of biblical values being the foundation of who we are as people. And we see it not only in this nation, but we also see it around the world. And just in our country over the last 50 years or so, in 1962, we saw the rejection of prayer in public school, Um, In 1965 through 1985, we saw a huge increase in marital unfaithfulness and and, and divorce. Divorce rates skyrocketed during that 20-year period of time. And they've only declined over the last 10 years or so because fewer and fewer people are getting married in the first place. And so we, we see that gap kind of developing in the 60s and, and 70s and then uh, personal choice, the legalization of abortion uh, in 1973, that was a, a you know, polarizing issue as well. Uh, last year, the legalization of gay marriage in, in 2015 and now in 2016, we're being faced with gender identity rights, the, the protection of, of tra- trans- transgender people and even in last week's time issue is the, the fight over uh, the bathroom issue. Now, here's, here's my point in saying all this, because I've already probably offended a bunch of you, okay? Um, my point in saying all this is that whether you agree um, with like, one set of values and disagree with another set of values, it, it doesn't matter where you are in the political spectrum, it doesn't matter which candidate in this crazy election that we've got going on in 2016 uh, you are siding with or what political party you agree with and what, what that says on your voter ID card, you know, Republican or Democrat or Independent, it, it, it really doesn't matter because the fact is, is that our nation and our world is, there is a larger gap between what God intended and where we are. We just have to face that. Doesn't matter whether we agree with it or disagree with it or, or all the machinations. And you realize that um, in uh, being a pastor in the eight years of this church, I've never. Uh, Stood up on this pulpit or any other stage where we've had church, which has been a lot of different places uh, And I've never supported a specific candidate for any election local uh, I almost said global (laughs) Uh, Local uh, or uh, uh, Statewide or national and you won't ever hear me do that because this pulpit is reserved for the spread of the gospel message That's my cause. That's this church's cause we will not get political, and I want you to know that. I want you to hear that, and I, I will commit to you that we won't do that. Having said that, we as a church also can't ignore the spread and this gap. We can't ignore what's going on in the world, that it is different. And it does cause a lot of us to have to rethink like how we're going to communicate with our children and grandchildren and what the future looks like. I mean, what has happened over the past 10 years is monumental change. And the gap has gotten, I believe, exponentially wider and wider and wider from what God intended to where we are as a culture. And we just have to face that fact. And I believe that the church has a role. However, 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 I think what the church's role has been in the past and what the church's role should be are two wildly different things. And a lot of us, myself included, grew up in an age when the church used its platform to make an impact in culture on a state and national level. And we rattled the saber and we were loud and we were, uh, we were in many cases, obnoxious. And in, in some cases, unfortunately, we were hate-filled and even violent. And I don't believe that that's what God has called this church to be. We have to face the issues. We have to be strong biblically on the issues. But I think there's a better way to do something with the world around us that let's face it is very difficult to figure out. So what I want to do today um, as we bring the series to a close is give you what I believe from God's word is a five step statement of what you and I can do and what we cannot do to make an impact in our world when it comes to this growing gap. And, And so I want to ask the question, How do I do something in my world? Um, Let's begin with this first one. And that is, is I will reject the natural tendency to fear my world. I will reject the natural tendency to fear my world. Um, Quite candidly, um, I have talked to a lot of people, uh, adults and students alike, who are really kind of disenfranchised with the current election, and I get it. I mean, beyond it being silly and funny, which it's really not, I realize it's a mess, okay? And I'm not gonna make a political statement at all, but it's just kinda crazy, isn't it? Um, as a poli sci major and a guy that's interested in politics, um, I've I lost interest a long time ago, and that's sad because I never really lose interest in this stuff, although now it's getting so crazy it's kinda interesting to watch at this point, okay? But some of you, when you look at culture and you look at what's going on nationally and you look at all these issues where there's this growing gap between what God wants and what society wants for our culture and what culture wants, um, some of you respond naturally with fear. And that's a natural human emotion that God gave us and, and he, he created us that way. But some of you are captivated and controlled by fear you have every reason to be afraid but I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you to not allow fear to control you because a people that are afraid are a people that are already defeated in terms of making an impact in the world are you with me Like, if we operate from a place of fear, we'll never have an impact for Jesus. We'll never be able to close that gap in terms of what God says and what the world says. We'll never be able to do something about the causes that we believe align with God's word. And so fear is a very dangerous place for us to stay when it comes to facing the issues of our current world. If we stay there it marinates who we are. It gets into us. And fear and anxiety and and apprehension then dictate what we do and how we react. And I've seen in my own life and in other people's lives that when fear is present and when it becomes something that grips you, the next emotion is often anger. It's often anger. You and I shouldn't look at the election. We shouldn't look at the current cultural situations in this world. And we shouldn't be fearful. In fact, God's word has a lot to say about this. Second Timothy says, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of, say these three with me, but of what? Power and of love and of self-control. Wow. That's quite a bit different than I've seen a lot of people react to the cultural changes in the world. I've seen people react with fear and anger and and hate often and and good Christians, uh, like people that are serious about their faith and they they react because of this idea of fear. So the first thing that I believe that we need to do is we need to resist that temptation and natural tendency to fear what's going on in the world, anxiety as well. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, Paul um, says this to the church there uh, in Philippi, says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. And supplication, that's, that's asking God over and over again. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And then what happens in verse 7? The peace of God. The peace of God, look at verse 7, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We have no reason to fear. Do we have reason to be concerned? Sure. Do we have reason to do something? Absolutely, but doing something should never begin with fear. Are you with me, church? Let's not be fearful about the world around us. You know what, it doesn't make any sense to be fearful of the world around us, and here's why. God is in control anyway. God is in control anyway, so it really doesn't matter who wins the election. In terms of God's story for humanity, it really doesn't matter in the big picture. It may matter now. It may matter for our kids, and I get that. It may matter for our lives and the lives and for freedom and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of the big story, God's in control. The psalmist understood this. In Psalm 115, verse 3, I love this. Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Huh. And if I had like memorized that verse when I was going through periods of fear, how about you? I mean, that could have solved so many things, so much anxiety and worry and, and concern. He's in the heavens and he, can, he does that, he pleases. I love that. And I love that um, uh, uh, Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 6, says this, O oh Lord God of our fathers. Are you not God in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. I want you to think about that when you're fearful on November, whatever the day after the election is. I think it's November the 7th. Whatever November 7th happens, whether your candidate wins, whether your party wins or not, remember, God's still in control. He is still the one who's in control. Never ever forget that i love my my friend uh and and one of my favorite pastors andy stanley he was he was giving a message a few months back and and he he spoke to those who are my age uh, about 45 and older and he said i just want to speak to you some of you saw some of you maybe were there and and you saw this he said i want to talk to those of you who are 45 and older in terms of the election in terms of culture um I, i want to let you know something and he said you are scaring the children and that is so true isn't it don't you love that you're scaring the children You know, the next generation is going to watch you. The next generation is going to watch how you respond to what's going on in the world. They're going to watch you have your anchor in Jesus and knowing that God is on his throne and that he's in control. Or he's going to watch you on November 7th freak out because the man or woman that you, you know, voted for, didn't vote for, won or lost. We're not in submission to a political party or an ideal or a person, ever. He is in control. Secondly, I will defend biblical values when they differ from my world. I will defend biblical values when they differ from my world. Look, we just have to face the fact that God's word and what's going on in society are just, there's this huge gap and it's growing and it's getting worse and worse and worse. And our reaction as people is often to have fear. But then our reaction is sometimes as Christ followers to go to the opposite extreme. And we defend by by rattling the saber and pointing our fingers and having a judgmental attitude about the world. And I want you to hear this. they, The world, because they don't have Jesus, they don't know any better. Are you with me? Because they don't have God's word to them or they don't know it or don't understand it. They don't know any better. And instead of pointing our finger at the world in response to these issues, we need to turn that around and we need to to look within first and foremost and defend biblical values when we violate them. Are you with me, church? We don't need to be hypocrites. And we often are. We often are loud when it comes to the cause that we're passionate about. Man, if we were really to open up And peel the onion back in our life wow wow there's a lot going on inside our hearts and our homes and our churches that he would not be pleased with as well so before we begin to point the finger at the world we need to look within and that means in our hearts and in our homes parents and grandparents and those of you who serve as parents and then we need to look within our church and if we see sin we need to confront it and eliminate it. If you look in the Old Testament, all throughout the Old Testament, whether it was righteous kings, whether it's priests or prophets, if God told them that the nation of Israel needed to repent from its sins, you know where they went first? To the temple, to the house of God. And they went in the temple and they took the idols in the temple out and they threw them out to a specific area outside of the courts of the temple and they burned it and they got rid of it and they cleaned from within and when that began to happen you know what followed? National cleansing it didn't happen the other way around, not often anyway more times than not the turn and the gap closing between what culture said and what God wanted was the church defending itself from violating biblical values we need to not only develop this abiding trust that people see and that the next generation sees, but we need to look within and we need to cleanse ourselves. Second Chronicles 7.14, it's not on the screens, oh it is, thank you guys, you guys are awesome. It says, if my people who are called by my name will, what's that next word? Humble, humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. I'm not saying that it's wrong to do something nationally or on a state level or be a part of an organization that stands for biblical values. Not at all. I'm glad that you do that. If you do that, awesome. That's good for you. Great. But don't be one of the people that stands for those biblical values and makes loud noise and and you know really allows the church to be a lightning rod and In your own home and in your own heart, you're a hypocrite because you're violating those principles every day. God's not looking for perfect people, but you know what he's looking for? He's looking for people who are righteous to lead other people to righteousness. And that leads to this third one, and that is, is I will influence the world closest to me first. I will influence the world closest to me first. Um, Jesus calls us to be in the world and not of it. He calls us to lead the next generations to be in the world and not of it. Um, but we, we can get involved in all these national things and we can, you know, uh, worry and, and fret and have fear and anxiety over all these national issues. But if we're serious about it, we'll stand for biblical values and we will look within to see where we can have the greatest influence. And, and parents, I'm speaking to you and those who, who you know, are serving as parents, um, that begins in our homes. It's, it's what Cooper, uh, Todd Cooper and I talked about in week one is it begins in our homes and it begins um, in, in our churches right here. And it begins in our local communities. And we do that first before we go and, you know, write our congressmen and make a difference nationally. Yes, be involved in that. But make sure that the people that you have the most influence in, that you are communicating that as well. I want to give you an example of this. I, I, I'm a dad just like many of you dads are. And I have had times in my son in particular's life where I have failed him as a spiritual leader and times where I've had successes. And at the beginning of this year, um, I began to, at night, um, read a little devotion with him. He is He's nine. Please pray pray for us, okay, he's nine, um, and I have a little girl who's turning 12, really pray for us, okay, so anyway, and with Sean, I've been meeting with him at night, and reading this devotional, and as time has gone on, we've missed a, we've missed some nights in there, but it's been very consistent, a lot more consistent than I ever was, and, and I've watched his spiritual hunger grow, I mean, five minutes of my time at night as a dad, and all I'm doing, dads, if you're sitting there right now, or moms, and you're like, well, I don't have all the training that you have, Todd. And I don't have all the resources. And I'm reading a, devo- I'm reading a book. I'm not doing anything, like, that's hero-worthy at all. But I'm watching his spiritual hunger set in. It's awesome. It's awesome. And if you're here and you say, well, I, you know, I'm not comfortable with that, then, then my goodness, then bring, bring your kids, bring your teenagers and, and, and your kids to church. Bring them at, here on Sunday night. If, if they don't go because I don't have a friend, find a friend, pick them up and bring them with you. Like be involved in, 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 in many different ways of, of being involved in their spiritual life. It doesn't mean you have to be their Savior. That's not your job anyway. It doesn't mean you have to be the Holy Spirit in their life and, you know, call them out on every single thing. That's not your job either. Your job and my job, parents, and those of you who are in the role of parents, is to point them to the world and help them and sanctify them and help them to be in the world but not of it. Jesus talks about this principle in John 17, verses 14 through 19. He says, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of this world. Just as I'm not of this world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them. From the evil one. They are not of this world. They are not of the world. I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the what? Sanctify them in the what? In truth. In the truth. And God's word is truth. Listen, it's 2016. It's an election year. You're going to hear truth every day on TV. Right? (laughs) Am I right? I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. This is the truth. This is the truth. This is the truth. The ultimate truth is the word of God and it's our responsibility to influence the people that we can with the word of God we need to teach our kids not gender identity but we need to teach them identity in Christ first and foremost we need to help them understand who they are as Christ followers before we teach them anything else point number four I will love those who are different than me Uh, We have to face the fact that culture and, and the differences in culture have created a chasm between the way that people look and the way that people act and the way that people live their lives. And for some of you, it's very uncomfortable that there are people in this world that are so radically different than you. I understand that. I get that. But you know what God has called us to do with all of humanity, if you're a Christ follower in here? He's called us to love them. There was no, like, there, there wasn't any kind of stipulation on the command to love others. Luke 6, verses 27 through 42 address this. I'm not going to take time to read the whole thing, but, but I want to point a few things out. So Jesus said this, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you bless those who curse you pray for those who abuse you skip down to verse 34 excuse me 35 love your enemies and do good and lend and expect nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be the sons of the most high for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil Verse 36, be merciful even as your Father is merciful. And then Jesus in John 13 goes on to just come right out and say it. He says this, a new command I have given to you. A new command I have given to you. And what is that command? That you love one another. That you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. Listen, church, I think part of the reason that we haven't made the impact that we've made in the gap that's growing between what God says and what culture is is that our do-something was loud and often proud, and it was rattling our sabers. And in, often, in, in some cases, not often, but in some cases it involved hate. And in terrible cases it involved violence. And I believe the church has, in, has tried to do the right thing the wrong way. And it's time for us to do the right thing the right way. And I believe that we can do that. I believe that God has called this generation of Christians to do that, to do the right thing the right way, God's way. And if we do that, I promise you, if we do that on a national level, the gap will begin to close. We can't be the Holy Spirit. We can't be God. But we we can play the role that he's called us to, and that is, is that you and I are a part the gospel message. And that's the last point that I want to give you today, is that you and I need to remember that our first cause is Jesus. Our first cause is Jesus. At the end of Matthew, Jesus gives us the what's called the Great Commission. And, and, and he didn't say to go therefore into all the world and to um, fix This one issue. He didn't call us to go into the world and to solve this one problem. He didn't tell us to go into the world and and be passionate about that thing that you're passionate about. What did he tell us to do? He told us to go into the world and to make disciples and to baptize people. That's our role. That's our goal. That's our commission. That's what you'll hear from this stage. That's what you'll hear from this church. And when we do that, we will see the gap begin to close. That's when we see the values begin to align between what the world says and what the Word of God says. I want to ask you a question today. Um, For some of you, you're in the world and um, you may very well be the only person that represents Jesus to someone who has a whole different lifestyle than you, who looks completely different than you, who says different things than you, who doesn't have one ounce of iota of the same beliefs. Here's my question. Is your passion for a cause causing that person to turn away from Jesus. Because if our causes are so great that the gospel message becomes lost in it all, we're not on mission. We're just not Christians. We're not. But if the gospel message becomes our focus, if it becomes the thing that we're concerned about, then we are truly on mission for God. And then the values that are different will begin to close the gap. But my concern is is that some of you are so loud about your cause, about the thing that you're concerned about, it's the thing that you're you're angry about, you express it vehemently on social media and, and harshly on social media, and you can hide behind a computer or a phone or a device. And in doing so, you're ruining, you're ruining what we're trying to do in reaching a lost world for Jesus. And I may agree with your cause, but you're you're pulling the rug out from under us. Let's do it differently. Let's do it the right way, church. Let's do something about our culture, but do it in the right way that's focused on the gospel. And it's focused on the way that Jesus would have done it, and that's love other people. Jesus, in his culture, loved tax collectors. And tax collectors were the most hated people among religious people ever. (laughs) And he embraced them. And he loved him. And in one case that we know of, and probably many more, they came to know Jesus as their Savior. And all of a sudden, their values lined up with him. That's the way that we can change our world. That's the way that we can do something to the, for the world around us. You may be the only Jesus that someone sees. How are you representing him? How am I representing him? Church, let's move forward remembering that our first cause is the spread of the gospel. It's, it's Jesus. That's our first and only cause. Would you pray with me this morning? God, thank you for your word. And sometimes your word is encouraging and sometimes it's challenging and sometimes it's just convicting. And God, I just pray that you would um, move in the hearts and the lives of the Christ followers who are here today. And God, I pray that you would help each and every one of us, myself included, to be careful with the gospel, to do everything that we can to stand for your values. But God, I pray that you would allow us to realize that our main cause, our first cause, is that you sent your son Jesus to die for the sins of the world. And that our cause is a cause that if people buy in, they'll move from eternal death to eternal life, from eternal darkness into eternal light, from a place of eternal suffering to a place of perfection with you in heaven. And God, I pray that you would allow us to become passionate and to do the right thing in the right way as a people. Let it start within us let us not be fearful but God let us move forward uh, with our politics behind us and you in front of us realizing that you're in control and God I pray that you would do that among the people of Hilton Head Island Community Church in an amazing way in Jesus name I pray and all God's people said amen